R2C2, another week. What's good, guys? Well, man, we uh, we had our bonus episode reacting to the World Series, and now hey, we give the people a Thursday episode. I got crushed, by the way. Uh, Why? For wearing that dumbass uh, Yankee snug, uh, Snuggie. The, the fucking, <laughs> you know, I love that thing. But people were like, I mean, it's cool for you to wear that on the couch, but you can't wear that fucking thing on the pod. So many people text me. No, I love it. I think it should be. Uh, I love it too. It's just it sits on my couch. I put it right on. I'm gonna take this shit off and put it on as soon as this pod's over. I, I I think that it should be making regular appearances on the pod. People hate on the Snuggie, bro. I had to get the, the Raiders Snuggie is up for the year. The motherfuckers mm-hmm. are two and seven. Yeah. But the Yankees, I can I can rock the Yankees one. Hey, people can hate on the Snuggie, but the the Snuggie has been good to you, man. So yeah. I. I don't think you need to feel bad about the snow. thing, bro. Yeah. I'm, bring, I'm bringing it back. Fuck that. Exactly. Bring it back. I want it every episode. Um, <laughs> for those who have not, uh, you know, caught up over the last couple of weeks, uh, make sure to tune in. We, we had Theo Epstein on last week, just an amazing in-depth uh, conversation about what's happening with major league baseball, their rules, uh, the rule changes, what else could be down the Pike uh, talking about the automated strikes and balls, why that hasn't happened yet, how it could look, all that stuff. Theo was great. Uh, just reacting to the end of the World Series as well. And now today um, we get to chat with Ken Rosenthal, yeah. senior writer for The Athletic, MLB on Fox field reporter. He always does a terrific job. And we like Ken. See, he's just a Love good dude. Ken. He's a, he's a good dude. And he dropped a jewel, uh, like something that I didn't think about. He was, we were talking about free agency, talking about DeGrom and maybe going to Texas. He said mm-hmm. that quick, but like, that could be, that could be interesting because they're trying to build their culture. They got Jack Leiter. They got uh Kumar Rocker coming up. So to add like a bona fide ace to your staff would already, you got Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, like they could be kind of built to win if they can get somebody like DeGrom and they have a lot of money to spend. So, you know, that's interesting. That is one of the big names we touch on with Ken, Judge, Turner, all the shortstops, Verlander, DeGrom. We get into it all. So without further ado, here is Ken Rosenthal, his return to R2C2. Well, we dive in right away with Ken Rosenthal, who... um, doesn't get a break. No, no, there's no break. There's the World Series right into free agency. Ken, let's just check in on your health first. How uh, do you, do you need to get some rest? Are you all right? How are you surviving going right from the end of the season to the hot stove? Ryan, I appreciate you asking. I'm doing fine. And uh, I know many, many, many people would love to do what I do. So I never complain about it. It's all good. See, that's why we love Ken. He has this beautiful perspective uh, in addition to being, you know, a czar of, of all things, incredible information and knowledge. So, um, Ken, we're glad to hear you're doing well. And I guess Thanks, we'll, we'll dive into the hot stove. Uh, just uh, the biggest question is going to be Aaron Judge, right? Like that's the, yes. the at this moment in time, is there anything that you feel confident about? when it comes to judges free agency, whether it's where he ends up landing, what the general parameters will be for price, a team that's going to go all out for him or a timeline. Is there anything right now? Cause it feels like it's kind of been mysterious for someone who, you know, you'd think the incumbent team wants to keep and he wants to stay, but it feels a little mysterious. So I'm wondering, is there anything that you have like a, a high bar of confidence on right now around this? Right. That's a good question. 
I would say the only thing I'm confident in is 300 million. I do believe he gets to 300 million because of the interest that goes beyond the Yankees. It's an open market, open bidding situation. If you ask me, is it going to be the Yankees? Is it going to be the Giants, the Dodgers, whoever you might want to name in there? I have no idea. And in some respects, it's a quiet period right now, that five-day period between the end of the World Series and the start of free agency. This is the time when you thought if the Yankees were going to get it done, maybe they would get it done. Now, sometimes it doesn't always work like that, and it takes Mm -hmm. time, and it happens later. I do believe that there is a chance he leaves the Yankees and maybe more of a chance than we would have thought, I don't know, six months ago. Mm. What I, makes I, you th- I, go I, ahead, think, I think it's just the longer it drags out. Like, I think the longer yes. it drags out, like you said, this five-day period where they have the time to sign him, you know, you've seen Edward Diaz deal gets, gets done right away, right after the World Series. So if they were in talks and this was something that was moving, I think that it would have been, you know, we would get an announcement this week. I think the longer that this goes on, the, the, the slimmer the chance that he's coming back here. I agree with that, CC. And hey, you were a free agent once, maybe more than once, and you know how this works. And there is, and it's hard to explain to fans, it's even hard for reporters to understand sometimes, there is this respect thing. And it's about money, yes, but the money comes with respect. And listen, he did not like the first offer even though it was not an insulting offer, he did not like it, did not like that it went public. I don't know how much that is in his head, in his heart. You would think if the Yankees come up with the right number, it's over, they get him, period. But this gets more complicated than sometimes we think because of all the emotions that get involved. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and with somebody that's been in the organization for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So there may, there may be even stuff that we don't even know about that, you know what I'm saying, that could be bugging him. You know, little things like that. When you, you've been in an organization for 10 years, there may be some things that you may want to change. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we, we, you never know what he's thinking. See, Absolutely what about true. if there's, you know, along those lines, um, guys with the five-day period and getting it done in that window. See, if you had played out the season, though, and gotten to this point, even if you wanted ultimately to remain with the Yankees, would you would you rob yourself of the opportunity to talk to other teams? In other words, like like let's say you let's say you have a price in mind. Let's say you want you want eight years three forty, and you want to stay ultimately. And the Yankees say, "Hey, here's eight years three forty, but we want you to sign it before other teams get to talk to you." Are you signing it, or are you still, even though it's what you want because you waited this long? Are you going to give yourself a chance to talk to other teams? No, I'm going to. I'm, if, uh, and this is what I told Cleveland and when I was a free agent in 2008. If we don't get this done, if deal done by spring training, I'm going to free agency. I don't give a fuck what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if we if, if, the, if the deal's not done by the time we go up to Cleveland, I'm I'm going to free agency. Period. Like so, and I and I'm sure 1,000 percent that's what his agent, him and his agent, agreed on when they when they put the deadline. You know, at the season. Yeah. See, that's the thing I'm wondering about, Ken. Like, so as much as maybe it, it, it would make sense to get it done before he's available to other teams, at this point, if you're judge, even if you want to stay, are you like, well, I'm not going to get this close and not at least talk to other teams, you know? Right. You hear this all the time from players, even during a season going into their free agency. Hey, I waited my turn. I want to exercise my right under the collective bargaining agreement to become a free agent. Six years. It's a hard thing to get to. Not many players actually do. So you get to that point. 
You do want to hear from other teams. You do want to see what's out there. It's only natural. And also it helps your leverage with your original team. So there's no reason in some ways, unless the Yankees come up with something big for him not to go to free agency. But as CC said, the longer this goes, the more variables you entertain in the mix. And that's the danger of free agency. A lot of people don't understand. It's a wild, wild west, man. When, when you're a free agent, anything could happen. And yeah. a lot of times, anything does happen. Freddie Freeman was the classic example, right? So I would not be surprised by any outcome, except I still do believe the 300 is coming his way. So I want to ask you about Trey Turner. And what do you see a good fit for him? Because I was watching that the World Series, obviously, and just looking at the Phillies, and I feel like him at the top of that lineup, you go him, you go Schwarber, Reese, and then Bryce. That's a that's a tough, you know, you know, top four in the lineup. So what do you think, you know, you see him signing? That's a great fit. And I'm with you, CeCe. And keep in mind, the Phillies just had this great run. They made a lot of money. And their owner is a guy who is willing to spend and wants to win. Trey knows Bryce Harper. Trey knows Kevin Long, I believe. He does. So there are, there's a lot there that would lead you to believe that this could be a possibility. And, yes, they do want to get a shortstop, move Stott to second base. Stott looks like a good player, but at second base, maybe better than short. And, my goodness, Trey Turner will be great there. But the Giants are a team that, in many people's estimation, are going to do something. And whether it's Trey, whether it's Aaron Judge, whether it's another of the big shortstops, they can't be ruled out. I don't know where the Dodgers are on Trey Turner. Uh, it's almost like the Judge situation. The difference is he, they traded for him. It's not a homegrown guy. I just don't know if that's his thought process where he wants to be or if that's their thought process where they want to go. So that's curious to me. And, hey, if the Braves lose Swanson, I don't expect them to pay for Trey Turner because they probably have Swanson's number and that's the number they want to be at, but they're going to need a shortstop. So there are a lot of variables here. Boston, if they lose Bogarts, I mean, a lot can go on with the Turner situation. But two questions to follow that up. Like are the giants just one big free agency, free agent away from like being, a, you know what I'm saying? Like are no. they one free agent away from being a world series team? And like, where does that leave the Dodgers then? If Trey Turner leaves, do they, try to go out and sign Dansby or is Carlos Correa coming there? Do they have somebody in the pipeline? So it's a lot to kind of unpack with just Trey Turner's situation. So, and man, they are not one star away in my estimation, but they need a star. And they kind of lack identity in the post-Buster era. They had Barry, they had Buster. It kind of went seamless. In, there was a few years there in between, and they had those championships, of course. But now they're a little bit faceless. And let's face it, this is a business. You have to market a team as well. You have to have stars, and they need some stars. So that's why a lot of people expect them to be aggressive. They've been aggressive in the past. They tried Harper. They tried on Stanton. They have done some efforts along those lines, just haven't succeeded. The Dodgers do have Gavin Lux. Now, whether he's a shortstop or not, whether you can play him there full-time, I don't know. Correa is an interesting guy for them because Correa is a guy that can't get a qualifying offer. So you would not lose draft picks. You would not lose international bonus space. He's the youngest of these shortstops. Mm -hmm. These are the kinds of things the Dodgers like. But I wrote about this today, too. I've heard from their people 
over the last couple of years that their fans would never embrace Correa because of of course mm. 2017 the sign stealing scandal he was part of the Astros the Astros beat the Dodgers in the World Series I don't buy that to me you bring in Carlos Correa you sign him and they would only want him on one of those short term high dollar deals I believe you bring him in and all of a sudden your fans say you know what this guy's a really good player he's going to help <laughs> us win <laughs> and I just I just think that's going to that's going to be one interesting element of the Dodgers shortstop situation. Do they go for one of these other guys? Is there a favorite for Correa, Ken? I don't think so. And I don't think yeah. with a Scott Boris client, you can ever say any team is a favorite because things happen with his clients that surprise us all the time. Now, Strasburg with the Nationals, I guess that was an obvious fit. But Rendon to the Angels, that was yeah. a surprise. Derek yeah. Cole to the Yankees, that was a but even Bryce to Philly was a surprise. Bryce to Philly was a surprise, yes. And what is he looking for? I think we all know what he's looking for. He's looking for the best deal for his client, as all agents are. So nothing would surprise me in that regard. It's interesting. The shortstop market, obviously, is um, it's an interesting one because you have four you know, potentially really, really attractive shortstops. In a lot of ways, last year, we didn't see the, you know, full maturation yes. of the contracts the way that we thought we were going to with those free agent shortstops. Is there any reason to believe that this year it will be different, Ken, that Carlos Correa does get a six-year deal instead of what he got last year, that, you know, Xander Bogarts does somehow, you know, gets more than the three-year 60 million he opted out of? It should be different. And it should be different because historically, Ryan, the first year after a CBA is signed, owners spend. Yeah. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. They have security as far as where the sport's going to be for the next five years. They understand there's not going to be a work stoppage. Uh, this sport, the commissioner said this the other day, generated $11 billion in revenue this season. Coming off the pandemic, here we go. We're right back to where we were. So I would expect, yes, the money will be there and the money will be bigger than it was in certain cases last offseason. How about, Ken, just uh, along the shortstop market, do you think the Yankees get involved this offseason? Obviously now Peraza's either closer or ready. Volpe is closer, maybe ready. But even like Brian Cashman's comments yesterday kind of made it feel like maybe they would entertain the <laughs> shortstop market. You know, um, what do you make of that? Cashman and like a lot of GMs, never rules out anything. If they were going to be in the shortstop market, they should have done it last offseason, yeah. gotten mm -hmm. Correa, and not done the Donaldson kind of philosophy. That's the one. Listen, all teams miss. We get it. But that one, it never sat right with me because what they did was they set up Minnesota to get Correa. Yeah. And they could have had Correa, I presume, on a similar kind of deal. So after all of this time and all this talk about Volpe and Peraza, it almost seems like they have to go down that path. Yeah. Now, there are other ways you can do this. You could sign a shortstop, play one of those guys at second base, trade Glaber, maybe get rid of Donaldson, play somebody at third. You could play Volpe at third, right? There are things you can do. I don't know if that's the way they're going to go. They have talked up these shortstops big time, and it almost seems to me there's no turning back. So we'll see. If I were the Yankees, I'd be entertaining everything. 
See, yeah, so what do you think thing, about that? I'm, just, I'm saying because, it, but there's two of them, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, they yeah, should have maybe traded one of those guys last last trade deadline mm-hmm. and got another piece, maybe some somebody in the bullpen, and then brought Peraza up. They should, I mean, they, when they brought yeah. Peraza, they should have let him play. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You look at the Astros and the way Jeremy Pena just was allowed to, to go out and play. If they would have let Volpe or Peraza just come up and play, then we wouldn't know. Now yeah. you're going into another offseason where you don't know what you have out of two of your guys that you've talked up. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. just like you're just sitting in limbo. Like, do you sign Dansby Swanson? Do, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's just one of those things where they kind of missed on the trade last offseason with Donaldson and kind of Falefa, and they didn't really get a chance to see if Peraza or Volpe can be the shortstop. And, we, and now we're just sitting in the same spot we were last offseason and need the shortstop. That's a great point. And you know what? I was talking to somebody this morning. The Dodgers also have a number of young guys that are on the verge. And they conceivably don't have to spend big. They can play those guys, do the same thing. And the person I was talking to, the official with another team, he said, you know what? Look at the Braves, man. The Braves, they bring up Michael Harris. They bring up Strider. They bring up Ozzy Albies and Acuna going back. They are not afraid to do that. And it seems to me teams should take that approach more often, especially when the talent is there. Jeremy Pena, amazing example. Nobody had even heard of this guy, really, no. until they lost Correa, that stalled him. And I remember, I said this on TV during the World Series, in spring training, Altuve told me, this guy's going to be a superstar. And I was like, no way. But again, he players was right. Know, and players know, players know. Players you know, and Altuve, Altuve is not a guy who talks like that. He's, he doesn't just anoint every guy so that meant a lot in my view and yeah he was a he's a superstar <laughs> yeah I, I mean there's um i think there's also like see you'll obviously know this better than me but not only do players know but players get an energy from that right like it, it, i would imagine it bothers a player when they see someone who they know can help them and that person's not there helping them well yeah it's just like you know if you're in a, in a clubhouse and you keep hearing about this uber prospect that's hitting all these home runs and double a and triple a well fuck bring them to the Bronx. <laughs> yeah you know what i'm right. saying like it's not that separation that much separation between double a and the big leagues at this point you know like in the last 10 years you know what i'm saying you can bring a guy up from double a and he can go out and be your guy so and i think more teams like ken said need to take that that approach where just bring a guy up and let him play because when you're sitting in the clubhouse and you hear this Uber prospect, you know, this this guy, this great prospect, you want to see that in the big leagues. And, and like you said, Ryan, yeah, it does interject. When you get some energy and some young guys, like when, when Judge came up and the baby bombers, we mm-hmm. had so much fun. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that is, you know, that that can energize your fan base too. Yeah. Yeah. Fans tend to connect with with those players as well. Ken, how about uh Jacob deGrom? Um, what uh, you know. We obviously, we, everybody like heard like, oh, Atlanta is the favorite. Atlanta is the fa- for whatever reason during the season. What uh, what do you think the contract might look like, and and where do you think he's most likely to land or stay? I do expect the AAV will be forty plus. Damn, love and that's it. of a chance. I still believe, but we've heard Texas, we've heard Atlanta. I'm not so sure about Atlanta. Atlanta mm-hmm. is a team that doesn't do that kind of deal. They do all these other deals. Yeah, that enable them to kind of sustain it. They don't have a player who's going to earn more than twenty-two million on any contract currently on the books. That's kind of amazing if you think about it. So, could they do it? Possibly. 
I would expect it's going to be three years. It's really interesting with DeGrom because we all know when he is on the mound and healthy, it's like nothing we've seen or pretty close to nothing we've seen. And yet, how often is he going to pitch? Uh, No one really knows. And that's the question. So it would be a pause for me. (laughs) I have a hard time with this one. But and I love the guy. I love the pitcher, all that. But it's just a lot of money for uncertainty, and you're not getting total certainty. His stuff is I mean, so never like, but his stuff is, is so a his more stuff. Risk. Yeah, his, no, I get it. Like, I mean, right? It's harder to maybe give him the five year deal for forty two million a year because you're like, uh, I haven't seen him pitch that much the last two years. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. How about Verlander, Ken? I believe he goes back to Houston and he has a really good relationship with the owner, Jim Crane. And last year they negotiated the deal together. Berlander was on vacation in Italy and he's talking to the owner and they hammered it out. Now it's more complicated because he's not coming off Tommy John surgery the way he was last year. He's going to come off a potential Cy Young award, likely Cy Young award. So I expect it's two years, maybe three and at a big number, 35 to 40 million there too. And, my goodness, after what he did this year, I don't know how you can bet against him. He, Grant, it wasn't the most innings he's ever pitched. It was only 175 by his standards, not typical, but he was coming off Tommy John surgery. So I would expect next year, given his history and his desire to be a 200-inning guy, he's that guy again, maybe a little less, but that is a more reliable bet in some ways, even though he's going to be 40 yeah. than DeGrom. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting to think about it that way. But I think you're right. And in some ways, like you do feel comfortable. Also, it's probably going to cost you less years, I would think. Yes. Um, just to go back to shortstop for a second, Ken, what is the thought around Xander Bogarts and the chances that he, you know, ends up somewhere other than Boston? Certainly a possibility. And what's interesting to me about the Xander situation is that the Red Sox front office, Bloom, they're president of baseball operations they keep saying he's our number one priority he's the guy we want to get done we are not hiding our intentions that's what we want to do okay but as with judge still not done more complicated than judge in some ways because the agent is scott boris who generally seeks market value and gets it wherever he can so i don't know if that's going to happen now the real question on xander from a baseball perspective long-term, is will he stay at shortstop? He worked really hard to improve his metrics, to improve defensively, period, last year. And I would think that after doing that, he'd want to stay at the position. He worked his butt off to get to that level. Now he'll want to be there. At the same time, other teams see him as an infielder who probably should be somewhere else, second base or third base. Of course, he came up as a third baseman. So... In my opinion, Xander wants to stay. Clearly, the Red Sox want him. This should not be that complicated, but <laughs> here yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah. On the verge of free agency. His best bet to play shortstop is staying in Boston. If he goes somewhere else, he's, he's going to move around. he's got to move around. Yes. Ken, I, I think the, uh, the only other thing I wanted to run by you is if there's any sort of front office shakeups that we can – you know, expect, especially with what happened with the Brewers and Stearns and whether or not, you know, there's an obvious landing spot there. Um, 
even the Astros, like with James yeah. Flick. You right, and only getting like, a one-year deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're I, waiting to hear on that as we take this. Yeah. And a number of us writers believe he's not going to take it. I'm not positive because it's still one of 30 jobs, and sometimes you just have to accept certain things. Not that he should. My God, he just won the World Series. He's not getting a good deal, not a one-year deal. But that's something that's going to have to play out still as we take this. now. As for other front offices, I expect Cashman to be back. I don't know what is taking so long exactly, but I don't know that that's going to be an issue. And I don't expect any other turnover this offseason. We've seen some turnover with managerial jobs mostly, not much with GMs. The Brewers situation, they had Matt Arnold ready. Stearns definitely needed time off. It's sincere from everything I can tell and everything I've heard. Whether he comes back next year, Mets, the Astros, whoever it might be, I don't know. I would not be surprised if he doesn't come back so quickly. A lot of these younger executives, they're really well-educated. They can do other things besides baseball. Mm -hmm. And maybe they want more of a life uh, with their family. Because as you guys know, when you're the general manager or president of baseball operations, whatever you want to call it, it's 24-7. It's nearly 365. And it can burn a person out. So we'll have to see what happens there. But he's out there now for sure. Ken, you are the best. Thank you so much for all this information, perspective, for always making time for us. We so appreciate it. Um, And uh, hopefully you get some time to relax and chill at some point in the coming days, man. Ryan, thanks a lot. CeCe, thanks. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. We'll see. Obviously, there's going to be plenty of hot stove uh, to react to, and we may still chat with a World Series uh, winner or two. But, um, you know, it kind of feels like it's a, a bit of a bow on the baseball season for the time being, and we get to dive into hoops and, and football now, man. Yeah, super cool. I mean, it would be, you know, we, we could, like, designate a time if they had, like, a, a free agency period, like we always talk yeah. about on this fucking R2C2. But, you know, the, the news will probably slowly trickle in, so I'm sure we'll still have – Baseball news, but it's, it's good to be able to move on to the football season. You know, the NBA starting, college basketball started. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just time to move on to the winter, so it's good. And, and I have to remind our audience of a story. Um, I have uh, never seen CC Sabathia more excited than the day we did our show from the Nets practice facility and he ran into Jock Vaughn. Oh, man. I've, n- I've never seen you more excited. Yeah, and, that was my guy, bro. Yes. And so we have to say congratulations to Jock Vaughn, who the Nets announced um, today is, is going to be their head coach. I don't know, you know for how long, but at least for the remainder of the season, Jock will be their head coach after there was multiple reports that it was going to be Ime Udoka. Um, and, uh, the Nets ended up staying with Jock, who's been their acting head coach the last four games. So kudos to him. He's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful dude. Yeah. And it, it's the right thing to do because he, he was there. What's the, what's the guy that I like that was the coach Kenny. before Atkinson. he was there with Kenny. So he's, he's kind of built this whole culture. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's kind of like watching Rob Thompson get a job. You know what I'm saying? The same type of thing where he's got that connection with the players because he's been there so long. And then, you know, you could just roll the culture out. So it's, that, that's pretty cool. Excited I agree, man. And, and, you know, look, he's gotten a chance 
to be in this acting role twice. One when Kenny was let go. Now here, only four games thus far, but the results back in 2020 and the results thus far through these four games are guys responded to them. They played, they've played incredibly hard. They've played a team first style. Um, and so I also think you've seen the best version of uh, KD this season in these four games too. And so, I mean, you always see a really good version, but like he's, he's, they're really making it work with him kind of being the hub that everything runs around, you know, similar, although they're different positions, but similar to the way Dallas does things with Luca, you know, and um, where it's like, okay, they don't necessarily have that second star, but they have kind of grinded out guys who could shoot around him. That's somewhat of what you have with the Nets around KD. Um, So, yeah, I agree. See, and the other thing is, look, like Ime is going to get another chance at some point. Um, And maybe it'll be in Brooklyn next year. Who knows? You know, I I have no idea. But obviously, everything the Nets have been through lately, um, that was going to be a PR nightmare for them. You know, I don't know if that factored into the decision at all. I have no idea, but the reality is if they would have hired him right now, they would have gotten crushed for being tone deaf with what the organization has been through lately. And, you know, more so than anything superficial, like how something looks, Jock Vaughn deserves a shot. He deserves a shot and I'm happy he's getting it, man. He definitely deserves a shot. You know, like I said, just because he's been there for so long. I mean, with E-Mate, we obviously know he's a really good coach. And like you said, it probably would have just been, you know, tough to bring him in right now. Maybe he gets a job next year. But, yeah, I mean, for the for the time being, you got to run with who you got. Yeah, and, and give him a chance to build on what's been an encouraging few games with Jock at the helm. So um, we will see how, uh, how it goes uh, with Jock moving forward. Um, but the Nets have played... What is it? Four games with them. Their two losses are to Dallas and they were both really competitive games. Uh, so yeah, we'll see, man. It's, it's interesting. I think it's definitely the move that allows things to simmer down. We'll see how things develop with Kyrie as well. If he's back sometime soon and, and we'll be diving head first into NBA and football and have some fun things coming on those fronts uh, in the weeks to come. Yes, see sir. good, good stuff as always, man. Yeah. Peace. Thanks to Atta. Thanks to Sadie. Thanks to Jackson. And uh, you guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Download us. Listen to us wherever you get your pods. Peace, everybody. Peace, everybody.